Hey everyone, James Labrie from Dream Theater, and you're listening to or watching the podcast Talking Into Infinity with JT and Brian. Enjoy this. These guys are extremely informative. I love their dialogue. I love their interpretation of the songs, who and what we are, what we were going after. They're very uh, accurate in their uh, interpretations and descriptions. And uh, just I just think this is a great show. And these guys are doing a, a stand-up stellar job. So once again, enjoy Talking Into Infinity with JT and Brian. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Talking Into Infinity, a Dream Theater podcast. I am your host, John. We are live on Facebook, YouTube, TalkingIntoInfinity.com, and the CMSNetwork.com. If you are watching on YouTube, please do not forget, click that like button, click that subscribe button, and smash the notification bell so that you are notified every time that we go live. If you'd like to catch video replays of the show, just go to our YouTube channel or the YouTube channel of the CMS Network, and if you'd like to catch audio replays of the show, just Google Talking Into Infinity Podcast, and we are live right here every other Thursday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Let's bring my good friend Brian onto the show. What's up, man? I see you have your awesome uh, alien background ready for tonight's <laughs> deep dive. I do. <laughs> Anytime a band is inspired by ALF. <laughs> now were you around when alf was or was that a little before your time no i was i i, I was a kid when alf was on so i remember how he liked to eat cats and stuff like that so <laughs> did you watch it then like i, I did yeah, yeah i did <laughs> can you believe so is it like basically a year since this album came out then is that where yeah we're at? so the single was like in september right and the album came october-ish i guess if i remember right i think it was i, I want to say it was november November even okay so yeah. we're almost a year then yeah what what was the exact release date it's weird it seems like like um like it's been out longer than that I don't know why, why is, <laughs> isn't why is that, that weird <laughs> yeah oh no it was October October twenty second of twenty one okay so I was close so yeah we're almost literally a year just about a year since then and uh, yeah you know what I had sort of taken a, a a break from Dream Theater in general for a while and then uh, putting this on for the last couple days man rejuvenated me i want to say <laughs> i had i had this i had the exact same response to it um i've, I've been listening to some I li ugh, can't speak been listening to some stuff for a cover show that i got to do this weekend so i've been kind of digging back into some like 80s hard rock archives and uh all right so sp spill the beans exactly what what are we talking here Oh, it's like Scorpions, ZZ Top, Motley nice. Crue, things like that. So you're gonna sing Scorpions? Sweet. Yeah, I mean it's, it's Rocky like a Hurricane, of course. But um, there's a there's a couple others that uh, still that's like, higher than shit, man. Are you guys tuned down at all or uh, E flat? So it yeah. has that. We're gonna tr we're gonna try no one like you. It's it's one of those shows where like everybody knows all of us know something, and the other guys have done it for so long that they just follow along and kind of make it up and. Other yes. musicians might know that it's not correct, but the, the audience really won't know because it's tight right. and it's, you know, they follow each other with chords and everything. So 
Um, it's just a good a good chance to get out there and not have to do all the pop dance stuff that I do with Brother Believe Me. So, what's um, the most obscure thing you're gonna pull out, or is it all stuff that we all pretty much? Well, uh, I don't know how obscure, but we're doing uh, Beer Drinkers and Hellraisers by ZZ Top. We're doing nice. Heavy Metal by Sammy Hagar. The only oh, nice. Sammy song I've ever been able to sing live was uh, uh, One Way to Rock. Nice. Um, we're doing We Die Young by Alice in Chains, which is an Alice tune that nobody oh, dude, does. that's killer. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, just cool stuff like that. Just like, you know, we got, I mean, we got, Shit, we got twelve hundred bucks out of a little podunk bar, so we can't beat that. So You're lots of <laughs> lots of lots of beer money involved in that. So, but yeah, so I I had the same experience. Like I hadn't listened to Dream Theater in a bit. I took a little bit of a break, and then I came back and listened to this, and it was it was cool to listen to it with fresh ears, because it, you know it's, it's and some of the a lot of the response that I had to it initially, I still I still basically have. Um, but I still stand by, you know, our statement from before that this this album is definitely one that grows on you because I I continue to like it more and more as I listen. Um, but also, it uh, it still sounds to me like one giant piece of music that they chopped into seven pieces. So there's there's not as much differentiation between the songs on this record as there as there is on other albums. I mean, do you get that vibe off of it, or what do you think? I agree, yet I disagree. <laughs> I, I I I can see that. I think there's there's definitely at least one song here that that you know I don't want to say it doesn't fit, but it's totally you know we obviously we know which one it is. But yeah, um, yeah, you know, every time I listen to this album, I, I sort of just feel different. Like I I think there's an overwhelming there's sort of almost an overwhelming. St- there's like a sadness to this album. Does that make any sense at all? Like a, like a, and I don't, I don't want to say it's dark, but I don't know. Like the way the guitars, I think I counted almost every song but one where the guitar just, just takes on that's its own melody, the singular. It just literally sounds like it's like crying, like it's wailing. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. There's a, like there's like a desperation to it. Does that make it's- sense? It it make it totally makes sense. I it's funny you mentioned that because like I don't know that I get a vibe of desperation or sadness per se, but I, I you know what it kind of reminded me of. It almost kind of reminded me of like Queensrÿche's Promised Land album where they said it was kind of like you know like Empire was they had achieved everything. It was this holy crap we're successful and then promised land was almost like a midlife crisis and it had this kind of it was more adult vibe i suppose thematically i guess um and and this one is 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 kind of like that for me so i I don't know that i hear like necessarily like desperation or you know you know it being somber but i mean it's something close to that i I can see where you're going where you're where you're going with that because i definitely heard kind of like a theme throughout it as well myself that wasn't definite it definitely wasn't something that's like yay everything's all happy and good (laughs) like there's kind of a sense there's sort of a a, an undertone a sense of urgency even though it's not yeah i guess i i don't know it it just really struck me listening to it again and I, I think this is one of those where like i said literally every time i put this on i especially with specific songs i kind of just pick up things and hear things and i'm like wow this is you know 
Yeah. Like I knew it was here, but I didn't process it, I guess. That makes sure. sense. <laughs> yeah. Chastity Crawley, good to see you. Thanks for tuning in again. Uh, she says, kind of a woeful or serious sound. Yeah, see, I, I hear more of a serious thing. I th- I think maybe Brian's hearing something that could be construed as like woeful, I would think. I, I, I definitely get the se- the serious sound. I get it. It's, you know, it, it, there's a lot of lyrical content on here about striving for that goal or getting to that goal. You know, it's a, a, like kind of like, you know, persever- perseverance is, is a kind of a running theme with throughout this one, I think. So, well, you've literally what... got three songs that like, and we'll go song by song, I know, but you've got three songs that kind of sort of imply the same thing, right? Invisible Monster, Sleeping Giant, and Awaken the Master, right? It all sort of implies the same sort of a theme. Now, I know every song isn't necessarily about the same thing, but they all... I mean, if those aren't about as similar as you can get for, you know, <laughs> at least lyrically for a song title, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's funny you mention that because I actually have something like that in my notes, which we'll get to, as you said, when we go song by song. Um, by the way, real quick, if I if I cough here and there, I apologize. I'm, I'm at the beginnings of a cold. So I, I took Robitussin and everything, but I'm going to try and mute myself before I cough. But if I accidentally cough a little bit on this one, I, I apologize. I'm a little scratchy. So... So when we saw this live, what did we, we got Alien, right? Yes. We got the title track. Mm-hmm. I believe we got Awaken the Master. Invisible Monster. Invisible Monster. Was that it? We did not get Transcending Time. Did we get Answering the Call? I think we might have. I thought we got five of the, uh, I thought it was five of them, wasn't it? You know, I used to have the set list written down over here. I wonder if I still have that. We probably did. I think, yeah, we didn't get, I think the only two we probably didn't get were Sleeping Giant and uh, Transcending Time, I would assume. Yeah, I'm trying to, like I said, I, yeah, I used to have it written down over here, and I I think I actually cleaned for a change. <laughs> so, But, yeah, we got a lot of this record for sure, and there was only, what, like, 10 songs they played which, or something? Yeah, which was weird. <laughs> now, when we look back and think about it, like, that was very cool but it was very strange also yeah it'll, it'll be interesting to see how, like what the <clears throat> excuse me what the you know if, if petrucci kind of does something similar at his solo show that we're going to go see in a couple weeks um you believe that's already less than two weeks away by the way dude we got like two concerts in less than a month here we're yeah. going to jeff tate on my birthday so i'm pretty excited for that should be sweet yep I, depending on what he's playing yeah <laughs> yeah what, did uh Aiken ever find out for us we asked him to do one damn thing and nothing yet <laughs> how dare he yeah <laughs> our good buddy kale's checking he says good morning good morning to you too man robert reams good to see you man he says he'll be there in cleveland to see john petrucci with us so there we go well, nice. i'm still pi- we'll i'm still up. i'm st- yeah i'm still pissed i didn't get the front row tickets what an idiot you got to sit it. there back there three rows farther. Uh, yeah. You're like in the fourth row. I think third or fourth. I forget which. <laughs> You're literally like six feet farther back. You realize that, right? I, but I literally, I literally had the front row center tickets and I screwed it up. So it's, 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 it's probably a better seat though. Cause they're not so damn close up to the state. Well, these are, well, they have to put these far back anyway. Otherwise you're going to be like, yeah, 
Well, like and it's theater, you know? it's it's not like it's not like our our VIP seating for the distance over time tour where we were actually like in like the 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 speakers were behind us. Oh yeah, <laughs> that, right. I've never had that happen before. I was like, wow, I would have thought front row would have been the best seat, but apparently it wasn't. <laughs> so that was that was kind of funny. So we'll have to um, hook up with Robert Reams before if he wants to see if he wants to grab a beer, some food, or something. We'll figure. Yeah, for sure. Out. That works for me, man. Planet of Shapes. Is checking in. Good to see you, man. Says, I'm curious what you guys will think of Petrucci's show. I saw Dream Theater in St. Louis a few months ago. Unbelievable. Um, I've actually seen Petrucci. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, I, I saw his most recent G3 with uh, Satriani and Phil Collin. And I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. So I'm, I'm, uh, the thing that's going to get me is seeing him in Portnoy. You know, I I really wonder if they're going to throw in any little tidbits of dream theater music. I personally don't think they will, because I don't think they want to deal with the fallout of that of people going, "Oh, you got got to get Portnoy back in the band." Like, so I think they're just going to completely avoid that. But did you? Uh, are you avoiding? Like, I've seen a couple of videos. I've only watched like a minute or two. Are you avoiding all those? Or as usual, yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know his solo stuff nearly as well as the dream theater stuff, obviously. Yeah, okay. So. But I I still would like if there's any surprises I don't I don't want to have it spoiled yeah. so no I didn't see that I just saw like um you know half a song from the new album I mean it just sounded like him and Petrucci sounding dead on you know <laughs> pretty much what we thought it would sound like so I don't think <laughs> right. it'd be any shocker that it's going to sound great but yeah they'll they'll probably you know they'll probably bust out something like Frankenstein or something I you know I don't know that. You know, some crazy standard instrumental, probably metal thing or something, or some goofy maybe Genesis thing or something, knowing those guys, you know, or sure. I bet they put some kind of medley together or something. Maybe some LTE. Yeah, there even we go. Though, even though even though LaRue is not the, the bass player on that stuff. So um Kale says, I'm looking forward to seeing how much your opinions uh may have changed since the episode we did with Wayne. Yeah, it's um I mean, why, why don't we get into it, Brian? Uh, I don't remember I mean, what I said then to you. Yeah. I do because a lot, a lot of what I felt about the record, I, st- I still kind of feel. So, um, you know, I, stuff that I said before, I've got a few notes before we get into it. Like, it, it, to me, it definitely sounds like, you know, they kept James out of his really high register on this one. And they opted for a much more layered kind of approach to the vocals especially you know choruses like there's a lot of three-part harmonies which we you know they're very lush it's not something we've had from them before um as i mentioned a minute ago it, it still sounds like one big chunk of music chopped into seven pieces to me um the one thing the one thing i will say is that i i, I think they they added to their sonic palette and it and by that i mean there's some <clears throat> melodic choices that they made on this record that they haven't done on other albums, which is really cool. Um, and I, I still think this is definitely a Mike Mangini record. He is all over this thing. And I think in some parts <clears throat> he could, he could have reined it in a little bit. Um, what, what are your like initial impressions of this one? Well, I mean, I'll just go ahead and go right into alien. And we'll just start it. But yeah, I mean, right off the bat, yeah, Mangini is just, he's just, it's a roller coaster locomotive out of control. Yep. But I i think it sets it up great. I, I think it sets up and starts the song out great, man. I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's relentless. It's punishing. It's heavy. 
but it's still enough a little bit of a melody in there until he comes in and kicks right into what i'm sort of saying about this album he comes in with his guitar main theme you know playing that single melody and it's just really i don't know there's this is a beautiful haunting just i don't know I, I still think there's kind of a sadness to it like you know it you know it's I mean, i'm not gonna fall down and cry you know but <laughs> yeah there's like a certain melancholy to it I, I don't know just the way the way he does his bends and stuff and and i'm starting to see he kind of has a couple styles like there's there's the the super majestic soaring style and then there's this kind of more puts these bends in where there's like there's there's emotion and there's sadness to it. you know there's a little bit of longing or something to it i, I don't know um but yeah i mean i remember the first time we heard this alien song was like it was one of those you really had to like almost immediately play it again because like i don't i'm not even really sure exactly what i just heard there's so much going on <laughs> you know it's just yeah. so so you know as opposed to the last album like i think was it untethered angel like when that came i was like okay that just sounds i mean i thought it was solid but you know, i thought they returned but it's like that's just standard dream theater 101 you know for them whereas this was like wow this is just pretty damn ambitious for you know coming right out of the gate with the new album with this you know it's nine minutes to this yep robert reams says the drums at the very beginning of the alien set the tone love it um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you, man. I, you know, you and I are both on record as being huge fans of distance over time. And I think, you know, knowing that there was a, uh, a new record coming, it was like, okay, you know, can they follow, can they follow up distance over time? You know, that was, that was definitely a record that, you know, I think they did after, you know, it, I mean, let's face it, <clears throat> the astonishing was very you know divisive in terms of the fan reaction and you know distance over time was like all right here you go you know here here's here's distance over time this is what people you know a lot of the fans said they wanted this is just a straight ahead progressive heavy dream theater record and it was awesome i mean it was a, it was a very much a rejuvenation for the band i think and coming off the back of that I, you know, I was very interested to hear what they would come out with. And I completely agree with you. This is not, you know, kind of like Dream Theater 101 in terms of, you know, it's not like, you know, like Untethered Angel. This is like progressive and there's so much stuff in there. You're like, what what the hell? And that insane time signature and everything. And it, it really is. It's a, it is a kick-ass opener. And I just to me it might it might even be like the highlight of the record and that's not saying that the rest of the record isn't as you know isn't good it's just I think this might be my favorite song on the record because it's kind of like the most dream theater ish unless you count the title track being that it's you know 20 plus minutes long so um the the other thing that kind of really grew on me about this one is is the concept of it cuz I don't know about you but when I saw it's like the alien it's about it like I'm like oh boy what is this going to be and um I actually I, I love the concept, you know, and uh, ter terraforming new worlds and stuff like that. I thought I thought the lyrical presentation was really interesting and I, I love it. I, I love this song. I think it's I think it's great. I think it's definitely the perfect way for them to say, hey, here's a new Dream Theater record and we think you're going to like it as much as the last one. I think it's one of the stronger courses um, in his voice is you know it's super high on that course there and it really just you know the dynamics of that really just punch you in the face and uh i i, I love his his vocal on the course on this one 
Look at that. Robert Reams. He says, I like this album a lot better than Distance Over Time. No kidding? Wow. Interesting. Okay. Uh, let me see if I pronounce this right. Danielle Navarez Arojo. Arojo. If I, if I mispronounce that, man, I'm, I apologize. Uh, he says, to listen to the alien with a click track is very revealing of its intricacy. Yeah. And, and Ch- you know, Chastity Crowley, uh, uh, Crowley, she says, 17.8, that is really intense to look at musically. Yeah, I purposely avoid like that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't read music as it is, much less looking at that. I've seen some of Jordan's stuff. I was just like, get out of here with that. <laughs> That's, it's just incredible. Um, yeah, one of my favorite parts of the record is actually on the song. Uh, the, like, when, you know, after that kind of unison part, it goes into that, that breakdown with the Petrucci solo, where it's pretty much just him. And, you know, the, like you used the word haunting earlier. And I, I think that's appropriate for that part of the song. I, I love that. That's one of my favorite solos he's ever done. It's just, man, he, he's really got a, a specific tone dialed in that he's had for these last couple of records that I think is just awesome. So, yeah, going back to Robert Reams, uh, it's an interesting comment. I, I feel like, I feel like at a distance over time, probably song-wise, is more there in terms of songs. Um, this is more performance and sounds. Um, Interesting. That's would, okay. That's how I would kind of, outside of a couple, I just I think you know if you're looking for, I always hate to use the word straightforward. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, in terms of of just just songs, I think distance over time probably a slight nudge. You know, well, I just I just think the material stands out apart from itself better on that one. You know that yeah. you can you can tell the yep. difference between you know the, the different songs, <clears throat> and you know you go from like you know something you know like Barstool Warrior to something like Room Two Three Seven. Like you're never going to confuse those two songs. Yeah. Whereas I, I think I think there's some overlap on this one. So <laughs> Abraham Wrangle says hi. <laughs> What's up, Abraham? Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate it, man. Uh all right, let's move on to track number two here. Answering the call. Uh I really like the jogging style riff on this one. The dig 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 I love that. Um I I think this one's a little I think it's a little underrated. When the when the record first came out, a lot of people kind of weren't really digging this. So I'm not sure how they feel now, but I I, I saw a lot of people kind of saying they weren't really interested in this one, and I really like it. I think it's got that classic, like, atmospheric dream theater verse that we've come to love on a lot of other stuff that they do. Um, You know, and, and, I, and this is the first, you know, the first appearance of those big three-part harmonies that I mentioned you know, earlier, I think this, you know, this, this big lush choral sound, you know, to, you know, kind of as a different presentation, as opposed to James just soaring in that ungodly high register of his. So where do you stand on uh, answering the call? Yeah, this is turning into one of my favorite uh, riffs that they've ever done. Honestly, I, I love that riff. Oh, I, I don't know. Cool. Okay. Something, you know, I think what I really like about it is, is I can see like 30 other bands playing that riff and it fitting fine with them too but when dream theater's playing it here it doesn't sound like they're trying to be another band or anything it just sounds like it fits them and i don't know that's a really hard thing to do i think because we've talked before about 
they have a couple of those songs where they get into those those tool kind of sound and riffs that sound almost you know they're very similar to 46 and 2 um but this is not that this is coming up with a, just a killer rock metal riff that you can ride out throughout an entire song and like but it doesn't sound like anybody else but it still sounds like anybody else could play it if that makes any sense plus also no, then- you, you get like you get literally you don't even get a minute and a half into this one i think after the riff and once again here comes petrucci doing that that you know it's a, almost a similar sounding motif that he has going in alien and i think that may, maybe that leads into what you're saying about how this kind of blends together but he you know he starts bending those notes and you know you start feeling emotional again and he's doing this little singular melody line and and it's like you know you kind of feel like you just heard that but you know but but you got that killer riff behind it so it you know it still stands apart some yeah sure Everett Painter, good to see you, man. Uh, he says, the best thing about the record, James should stay in this range going forward. Yeah, I, I thought it was a, I thought it was a really good choice as well. Um, you know, I think, you know, going forward, I mean, the guy's in his late 50s or whatever it is. It, you know, having to hit those crazy, ungodly high notes, it, it's, it's getting more and more difficult, you know, as it does for everybody. So I think it's really smart to start writing in this range because it makes it a lot easier to present excuse me in the in the live environment so you know i just uh, look at this okay kale's disagreeing with me on something you're never going to be able to get from barstool warrior into room into room 137 and think they're the same song because of the massive drop in quality not gonna lie Uh, okay well that wasn't my point kale but you know i I would (laughs) (laughs) you know what i meant (laughs) And and Room One Three Seven is a great song, by the way. I, I really enjoy that one. I'm not. I'm not. Obviously, Barstool Warrior is pretty much perfection. But, um, yeah, I, you know, for for me, you know, this this is I I think an underappreciated song, man. It you know the 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 heavy riff the heavy riffing in the chorus after the vocal lines. You know, they do the lush thing and then go back and that's that's really cool. I like that. Um, and then when it gets like you know they get even heavier. You know, after the bridge, when they get into the solo section and stuff, that's just that kind of, you know, it's just the single note riffing on this song is really, really cool. And it's just such a good example of how Petrucci can write something really heavy that doesn't have to be, you know, all chuggy power chords and, you know, hate breed sounding riffs and things like that. It's really cool. So I, I, I really like this song. This was this was one of my favorites you know when i first heard the record and it's still one of my favorites so i i I dig this one and where was the there was a comment about the sequencing that that was uh yeah okay yeah daniel navarez uh arojo again sorry for the poor pronunciation he says answering has grown on me it's a nice release after the alien sequencing helps it in the context of the album yeah that's one thing i was actually going to mention later but since you brought it up um i really think the sequencing on this album is really good brian what do you what about you I I think I I get that it's only seven songs and you basically have to put you know the twenty twenty minute monster at the end, but I thought that this was this was arranged excellently. What what did you think? I think my only problem is awaken the master at six because I don't know it it feels like you're just you're you're worn out after that one. It's such a heavy slugfest. And we'll talk about it later, so I don't want to say too much. Okay. But I, I've always kind of felt like that into then a twenty-minute song. 
<laughs> I think transcending time maybe should have been, they should have flipped those around or something. But oh, that's a good idea. I okay. don't know. They got seven songs on here, you know. So you know, I want to go back to something you said about the vocals. Like, I mean, yeah, let's be honest. Like, I mean, they've said before, like, you know, we're, we're not going to come out here and, you know, when we originally kind of started this band. You know, well, that was important. I was around, I guess, but. You know, they wanted to have the you know sort of like the Queen's Reich Fate's Warning type of thing. Well, they they grew out of that anyway, you know. And and we're going to see Jeff Tate, who still sounds great doing what he does. But he's even said, "Look, I can't, you know, <laughs> yeah, I can't sing this stuff that Todd Latore. You know, he doesn't say it that way, but I can't sing the stuff that Todd Latore's singing now. You know, yeah, that's why he's in the band. You know, but it's like, yeah, I mean, he's just he's going to sing what feels comfortable to him, and he doesn't want to be embarrassed, and and they don't need to sound like, you know, early Queen's Reich or Fate's Warning anymore. You know, they've grown into their own entity. Yeah, I I agree with that, man. Uh, Kim McLeish says this is an album with a lot of good melody moments. I feel like John Petrucci was a little bit more innovative on this album by taking that melodic step over such heavy riffs. It's so cool every time, too. Yeah, that's another thing, Kale. I'm glad you brought that up because I, I've always thought that this record kind of is a good. It 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 pairs excellently with Distance Over Time. I think if you if you put those records together, in, in, and kind of you know in a playlist and, and put them on random, I think they mix very very well. So I I, I think they make a just a phenomenal playlist together. Minus Distance Over Time being quiet. It's the only thing that pisses me off about that record. The production is quiet, and I like to hear it just blasting, and I can't get it blasting. So that'd um, be a cool project, though, to try to like. You, you got to put these two albums together, like sequence them. Yeah, you got to sequence them, but you, wow. you can't do, and you can't do. Uh, well, at some point, you'll have to do two in a row because you have more on the other one. But yeah, but uh, yeah, but like you know, I, I don't know. That would be an interesting exercise. See how to do that. <laughs> Maybe a future episode. Yeah, I mean, well, it sounds interesting to to us. I don't know how good that would play on a podcast. (laughs) Right? Probably totally stupid. But One of those episodes we get about three minutes in and go, oh, God, this was a terrible idea. What are we doing? I mean, horrible (laughs) ideas have never stopped us before, so (laughs) what's happening now? Exactly. All right, so moving on to track three, we have Invisible Monster. I don't have a lot of notes on this one, Brian, because to me, it's not a bad song by any means. But to me, it's just kind of there. Um, it's it's almost like a song, kind of like "Rite of Passage" from Black Clouds or something like that. That's just like okay, it's it's a song, it's it's cool. Um, you know, again, it's you know, it's it's just kind of there. But you know, one of my notes does say that if this is this is the meh song on your record, you're writing a damn good record because it's still a really good song. So there's just not much there for me to it. Um, you know, lyrically, melodically, I mean, it's 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 fine, it's cool, um, but it's, I think especially coming off, you know, coming off of you know, Alien or the Alien is you know the f- the first single you put this one out. I was just like, I was really hoping for more of the Alien, and it's you know, it's a good song, but it you know, it, it, is it what feels it is. a little, it feels a little safe, I guess is the word maybe. Um, and here's the third song in a row where it, it takes. Each song, it takes a little bit longer, I think. Well, actually, no, that's not true, because answering the call came earlier. But on this song, after the first chorus, you go into it again. There's JP doing the singular <laughs> melody thing. Um, what I what I like about it, though, is that after that, um, Jordan gets that kind of a spooky, squawky keyboard sound. 
Yeah. And he's he's playing the motif too. So I always like when they um when both Jordan and uh JP will play the you know, play the main riff or main melody, you know, on their on their own instruments. And I, I don't know, I just think I think that's the sign of a strong riff, you know, when you when both of them play it and you know it echoes it and it gives a little bit different flavor and stuff. Yep. And uh, yeah, I don't have a whole ton to say about this. I think I've said before, maybe the melody on this just kind of not the actual, you know, course itself. Not really a whole lot going on there, but you know that's going to happen from time to time, I guess. Yeah. Robert Reams, thank you. He says, agree with everything John said. No more really needed to be said. Um, Let's just mute me yeah. then. Yeah. <laughs> Robert Reams can co-host for a second. Um, yeah, I mean, I you hit on something there with the chorus. I think that might be, I I, I think that might be the, the problem for me with it and why, why I think this is the one song that doesn't really stand out is because, you know, usually the chorus takes the song to another level. And this one just, it, it, it doesn't. You know what I mean? Like it it's just it it's good it's a good chorus, but you know, usually the chorus is kind of like a step up in terms of like intensity or melody or something like that. And this is just kind of like an extended verse in a way. So you know, it doesn't it doesn't really stand out. So it is, you know. Uh Mike Schollenberger, good to see you, man. Thanks for tuning in again. Uh he says Invisible Monster is one of those songs that comes across stronger live. Um I you know what, dude? I hate to do this, but I'm going to disagree. I, I had the same opinion of it live. I, I was like, okay, this is a cool song. Um, I think I think it's it's a, it was a good song for the set because it kind of gives James a little bit of a break. You know, he gets to kind of like take a break from, you know, going anywhere near his stratospheric range. So I think that's good for. It. But yeah, it's it's just kind of there for me. Um, I like the fact you know that it's a little mainstreamish i guess it gives you it gives you a little bit of a, a a break you know like you said just it gives him a break vocally too i, I don't know I've, I've talked about this before i think at some point though you, you have to be a little bit careful if you don't want to get too many of those kind of songs on there you know and it's like it uh, alter bridge gets into this thing where they have always have one or two songs where mark tremani sings on the album and it's like we're not buying albums to hear Mark Tremonti sing. <laughs> right. Like, I don't sure. mind his voice at all. I actually like his solo stuff. But, you know, when you're buying an Ultra Bridge album, you want to hear Miles Kennedy. Yeah. You know, same with Dream Theater. You're you're kind of ex- expecting a certain, I don't want to say complexity or, or, or but, yeah, this, I don't know. They, they just sort of just milked a, a melody there and, and got what they could out of it, and it's just kind of mellow. Yeah. Look, <laughs> Chad, uh, Steve Vermeer. Stevermer, I'm sorry about the pronunciation there. Uh, he says every Dream Theater song comes across stronger live. <laughs> um, I would, uh, I, I, I will, I will submit uh, Ministry of Lost Souls as an example <laughs> against your point. But, <laughs> but uh, oh my gosh! Oh, K- Kale's going to come at you, man. He says, "Ooh, here's a debate for me and Brian to have later." <laughs> Noted. <laughs> so there we go. Um, uh. All right, so. Moving on to uh, track four, we have Sleeping Giant, which is awesome. Again, a song that, you know, when the record came out, I didn't hear a lot of people talking about. And uh, this song, and maybe I'm wrong here, but it's always kind of reminded me a little bit of Pale Blue Dot, which is why I was kind of surprised that it didn't get more love when the record first came out. So, um, 
I absolutely love the, the the key change in the choruses. I thought that was really really cool. Um, Jordan goes into some of that old timey piano in the bridge, which I've been on record as saying is some of my favorite stuff that he does. And at the end of the bridge, the way the song rises and builds and builds and builds, it just sounds so epic. That is so unbelievably cool. So th- this is a great song, man. This is definitely a highlight on the record for me. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Sleeping Giant? I like the last half of it. I, I've i always kind of felt like this riff is super stock, like just the the beginning of it and stuff. But I think it, like you said, there you have those changes at the end. Jordan's got the cool ragtime piano. Um, trying to read some of my notes here. What all I had? <laughs> oh, yeah. After his uh, ragtime solo, it goes right into like a really cool synth boog solo, which is cool to be able to blend those like that that seamlessly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I I don't like the beginning of this. Um, so I don't know. It takes about four or five minutes for me to get into this one it just feels like a real the riff just feels super kind of stock for me so it this has always kind of been my weakest song on the album i think just from that beginning but but the performances on the last three minutes are are awesome don't you think they need kind of like a stock riff here and there to 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 break up the you know the 17 8 time signatures and all the just the, the monstrous orchestration that goes on. I mean, because I, I kind of think that they do. I, I, I like that. You know, we'll, we'll get to, you know, in the title track, there's a riff that I love. And I wouldn't say it's a stock riff, but it's definitely more of like a four on the floor type of thing. And I, I really think they need that to stand out, you know, because so it's not just a constant noodle fest. I mean, I, I think they kind of need that sort of riff here and there. Yes and, and no. I mean, I... You can have a stock riff that still is very cool and melodic. To me, this one just doesn't do anything for me. Let's just put it that way. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, Invisible Monster, we already just kind of said there's not a whole lot going on there <laughs> with the riff, right, either with the main riff. I mean, so you kind of got two in a row where they do that. But that's okay because, I mean, you know, like I said, the, the, the end of Sleeping Giant, you know, saves it and there's some cool like i love like the deep purple organ stuff going on there it's i mean this this is totally like a deep purple song when it starts i mean that's that's to me beyond obvious okay which is fine which is fine but but uh yeah i mean one of them has to be my least favorite on the album so it'll be this one you know <laughs> nice uh kim mcleish says sleeping giant still feels like an lte song with james added in there are just a lot of moments that feel better crafted instrumentally than vocally in this one. Um, <clears throat> I don't disagree with that. I do, because I think there's some stuff coming up later in the record that I was not. I can't say I, I can't say I'm not a fan of the of the melodic choices in the vocals. I just think there needed to be more there to make them more interesting. So, but but it's not on this song. And again, I I get I I get a very strong pale blue dot vibe off of this one. So maybe that's why I'm a little more, you know, partial to it. So, I mean, well, that, I got to go back and listen to this again then because I have no idea where you're getting that from. Because I okay. love pale blue dot. I think that's a, one of their best better songs. Okay. Yeah. I just I just think it goes back and forth with some interesting things and. uh Oh, here we- <laughs> JG3, man, good to see you. Says, just dropping in to say, hey, guys, Philly fan here, so I'm pretty busy watching the Eagles and Phils 
uh, top songs on View from the Top of the World, Answering the Call, Sleeping Giant, Transcending Time, Awaken the Master. Well, Brian just said that Sleeping Giants is least favorite, so you can argue with him uh, later on <laughs> after, you, after you guys hopefully uh, beat the beat the Astros in the World Series. I'm sick of those guys. So, um, And congratulations on being undefeated in football, lucky bastard. <laughs> so That reminds uh, me, I have to check my fantasy football team if I have anybody playing. <laughs> What's the game? It's Philly and the Bills? No. I no, I I I am not sure tonight. I, I, I'm too I'm too busy digging into uh, a view from the top of the world, Brian. Sorry. I'm not paying attention to the NFL. It's bi- it's a bye week for our brownies, so um all right, so moving on to track number five, we have Transcending Time. And uh this one for me definitely my first impression was that this one was something that was left over from the self-titled record. And I immediately was not a fan of that. I was like, okay, this sounds too much like that record. But as, you know, the song transcends time. Um, sorry, I'm trying to make a bad pun there. But it's definitely really, really grown on me, and I really, really enjoy it. Um. I think it's definitely got the best vocal melodies on the entire on the entire record. It's the one time on the album you get this really happy, upbeat kind of positive vibe, which is really really cool. And I I love the fade out part. I it's you know it's simple and it's kind of more jungle drums than like a standard you know kind of like beat with a hi hat, kick and snare and everything. But I really like it and it's melodic and it's cool and I you know it's this is just a really fun song. And I I, th- I think it stands out like a sore thumb on this record, and I really enjoy it for that, for that uh, for that reason. What what do you think? Yeah, it reminds me of, uh, of the happy song, the Petrucci one on off of his. <laughs> yep, because it's happy, it's fun. You know, I mean, is is this could this be their "Don't Stop Believing" where the lighters played <laughs> at the end of the night? Oh my god, I was, I, was, I was super bummed they didn't play this live, but obviously they can't play everything. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, we, yeah. This is the bright light in this 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 album that I feel is, you know, kind of sad we, times. <laughs> I, I I I agree with you, man. I definitely would have taken this one over Invisible Monster like all day, every day in the live environment. Um, Robert Reams he says I like this song so much. James sounds incredible. The positive inspirational vibes are awesome. I highly rate the self-titled album, so probably why I like it so much. There's another future debate that's coming to the show. <laughs> well, uh, another cool thing about this one, before we get to that real quick, so you have a main guitar riff, right? And then you get a main keyboard riff coming after it, which, again, mm-hmm. I said, and they're different They're different riffs, too, which is what's awesome. Like, I love when they do this type of a thing. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Navarez Arojo says, Transcending is the highlight for me. It's the bar stool of this album. Major key magic from Dream Theater, and the piano fade out is amazing. Wish the fade out were longer. Uh, Chad Steve Vermer, again, hopefully I got that right. I don't remember which one I said first, Chad, so I apologize. Um, Transcending Time has a very rush feel to it. I, yeah, you know what? I could I could see that because this is kind of like looking glass-ish, I think. So, um, you know, JG3... I'll add, I was surprised they didn't play more songs live from the new album on the recent tour. Well, they played like four or five, so they played a, a majority of the record, so there was that. Um, 
yeah, this is this is just like it stands out like it, it sticks out like a sore thumb in a good way. You know, I think you know, but but I think I think you make a really good point about when we talked about the um the sequencing about flip flopping this one and the next song. You know, I, I as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, yeah, that would actually make it even better. So I completely agree with you there because this one is just. It, it's like a palate cleanser, isn't it? Because the rest of the stuff has, yeah. has been in a certain vibe and a certain feel. And this is definitely a palate cleanser because it is kind of like a throwback to a previous record. It's it's, you know, uh, you know, as Daniel said, major key, which I, I've always thought is like that's my favorite stuff that they do as much as I love heavier, heavier music a lot of the time. So, yeah, yeah it's, I, it's I, like I love a, your idea about flipping it with Awaken the Master. Yeah, sorry. To yeah, it's like it's like a love child of uh, of Spirit of Radio and Limelight or something. You know, it's got, that, uh, <laughs> nice. you know what I mean? I, it's, it, literally, that, that's that's what I think of when I hear those those riffs like, you know, it brings me back to, to to those two Rush albums big time. We've said said that before, I think. But yeah, I mean, just you, I remember when that first song first came on when we when we finally got the album, and I'm like, where the hell did this come from? It's just it really caught me off guard big time. I was I I try to think that the last song has sort of made made me have that feel um, with the sort of the major key in the chorus. I gotta go all the way back to like Innocence Faded, literally. For me, wow, that you know? far. I mean, obviously, Looking Glass too, but but yeah, it, it just it, I don't know. There's an innocence faded hmm. feel to me of, of it. Just in, and it doesn't sound anything like it. I understand that, but I don't know. Just in terms of like a happy, warm feeling that I got from a Dream Theater song. Wow! See, now you got me thinking. That's that's. <laughs> I mean, you're right. It definitely has that innocence faded vibe to it. But God, there's got to be something between Awake and, and the new record that had that in there. You know. Um, Wow. Look at okay. So so JG three is saying that uh, the alien is the weakest track. He says the vocals are kind of jarring so much so that you know the point James really seemed to struggle keeping time with the verses live. And Kale McLeish says, "Ooh, Jay in here with them hot takes." <laughs> hot take, Jay. Oh, is what we call it. It is. It is, man. Wow. All right. Well, why don't we get into um, the surprise of the album? I think this is probably the would I be wrong in saying that there were two songs that people that, that people were most excited to hear, and it was this one and the title track? Because obviously the title track being twenty minutes long, and this one, "Awaken the Master," is the first appearance of an eight-string guitar on a Dream Theater record. So, I know this is really not your cup of tea. Something this heavy and sludgy, and you were not a fan of this song. So I'll let you kick this one off. What what do you now that you've sat with the record for a year? Where where do you stand on Awaken the Master? I do like it more now. I will I will admit. Okay. Um, eight strings is weird though because a normal guitar has six. So then now you're talking like what four four extra or whatever it is math wise. <laughs> such an ass. <laughs> no, I mean I guess I don't know. I'm curious. Okay, so let's say he just plays this on a seven string. Does it still sound the same? Is does it really make that much difference? I I, I don't know. I'm. I've always kind of wondered that. I do really love, like, I love the accents. I mean, there's, there's, you talk about ridiculous time changes in some of the other songs. I don't know that there's, well, the one coming up is absurd too, but the, the stuff going on in this, 
Um, I love the the piano parts in this. Um, and then you got those huge string orchestrations, which I really actually do enjoy those parts. I think I think those make this song so gigantic and fat. Um, so once it kind of gets into those those parts, similar to Sleeping Giant, um, but even most more so on this one, I'm I'm really on board. Once we get those those string things coming from Jordan, I think does fill it out huge, man. It sounds like a big giant, big giant orchestra almost going with the heaviness of it. Yeah. The the thing that surprised me about this song is like, I mean, you kind of figure right off the bat you're just you're just gonna get that, you know, hey, it's an eight string type of riff, so you knew that was pretty much, you know, going to happen. I was actually surprised that he didn't use it more. Like I, I'm glad that he used it as flavoring instead of okay, I'm just gonna beat you over the head with the fact that it's this really heavy you know, ungodly drop tuned instrument, but I also thought that it would have been cool to kind of use it a little bit more. So while I'm glad it wasn't the whole focus of the song, I could have used a little bit more of it. And I, I hope, I hope he does another song with it. Um, you know, cause I mean, especially there, there's some stuff like if you get, get into some riffage that was kind of like on, you know, distance over time or something like that, or, you know, train of thought or awake. If you if you write one of those like just straight up metal riffs, but like one of those really really heavy kind of like mastodon type of things, you know, mashuga whatever. Like I thought that would have been cool. So um, I I'd like to hear it again. You know, so yeah, I I I dig this song. It you know, it, again one more thing going back to mike mangini we talked about earlier his right hand on this like on the ride bell after the chorus like he's just like a machine it's man the guy is unbelievable so and i i do have i do have one thing that stands out to me about this song i want to get your opinion on it and we kind of i kind of teased it earlier this song kind of feels like a miniature version of the title track once you've heard them both do do you get that feel off of that yeah i do it definitely seems similar and it kind of goes to your thing about you know the maybe a a bit of a lack of diversity on it um yeah i can totally see that i I do want to stress though those after the part where remember hereafter and then that jordan does those those huge big piano accents before the yep. orchestration like i i just i don't know, there's there's nothing i love better in probably his playing than when you get to those kind of ascending giant piano grand piano sound things that are just going along with the with the with the metal guitar behind it like i mean that that to me i would say for lack of better words saves this song and turns it into into something i enjoy okay um Chad Steve Vermer, uh, Steve Vermer, he 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 brings up a band that I've tried to listen to and I, I'm not really a fan of, but he says I think Animals as leaders use a lot of eight string. Sounds cool. I don't. Th- there's a little too much of it in there for me. That's what Tosin Abasi is his name. Um, amazing player, weird guitar. Um, I I just that one is a, there's a little much of it for me, and I that. I've listened to two records and it's all over it, which is fine. It just seems like it's a little, a little too much. So, um, yeah, I don't know. 
Daniel Navarez Arojo says, the way John attacks the eight string is rather clean, not genty or clangy. I hope he attacks it more next time. Yeah, I, I do too. I, I'd like to hear a little bit of that. Um, you know, like as much as Brian said earlier, it doesn't like the stock riffs. I think the eight string might lend itself to one of those. It would be kind of cool, you know. It, w- it would definitely give you that really heavy element that you haven't had before. Um, so that'd be kind of cool. I would, I would, I would, you know, I would be, I'd be a fan of that. And okay. So people are telling me that the new animals as leaders is awesome. Okay. I, like I said, I tried getting into it and I, I, I was not the biggest fan. So I'll go, I'll, I'll go back and listen to it. You know, I, I, I tend to lean more towards the John Petrucci, uh, stuff when I'm listening to instrumental music. Uh, Marcos Fogli, I absolutely love which we're trying to get him on the show, which would be awesome because I love Marco's stuff. Um, Pliny's really cool. I really dig the Pliny stuff. So, um, oh, so that is that animals as leaders is all instrumental. Then in? I guess I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, the stuff that I've heard. I mean, maybe I'm missing oh. some vocal songs, but um, interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, let's 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 get to it, man. Another dream theater epic, and it is the title track of "View from the Top of the World." And, um, yeah, I, I would say that, you know, the lyrics are cool on this one. And as I, as I mentioned with Awaken the Master, I, Awaken the Master seems like kind of a miniature version of this song, and, and lyrically as well. I, I just thought the lyrics to Awaken the Master were the weakest on the album. Um, and I don't mind the lyrics on A View from the Top of the World. It's about, you know, striving for the goal and stuff, but it's not... I, I thought Awaken the Master was the same thing when it's handled pretty heavily. This is not. I, I love how this song starts out because you could tell right off the bat. You know it's 20 minutes, but you can tell it's going to be epic in, in feel and and everything. So I really like that. Uh, I, I love how the second verse is, is way different than the first one. I thought that was really cool. Um, but I will say that this is one of those examples of something I mentioned earlier where some of the vocal melodies, I, I think, I think they could have added some flavoring to them. They are a little boring here and there, so I, I wasn't a fan of that. Um, and and I would say for like an epic dream theater song, this one's a little formulaic. It's like, okay, here's the heavy part, here's the proggy part, you know, here's the mellow breakdown, here's the heavy part, then we'll go into the chorus and like the the big majestic outro type of thing. Um. And you know what else I, I liked about this one, Brian, a lot? It wasn't Illumination Theory. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, well, here you go. Okay. Daniel Navarez Arojo says, View is okay. It overstays its welcome. Of the epics, it's not one that comes to mind. Um, hey, View from the top of the world. Get your beer. Get your shoes. Get out of my house. <laughs> time to leave <laughs> you know what's you know what's an amazing way to listen to this song and, and I, I i talked to you about this but um wayne joiner did a video for each of the songs on the record and we were lucky enough to see the one for a view from the top of the world and i don't know what it is man like it the video that he did just blends with the music and the vibe of the music so well yeah. it's like watching like a miniature movie and it, it, God, it's so cool. So I, I really think, you know, when, when I first heard this song, 
without the video. I was like, ah, okay, this is okay. But then when I watched the video and listened to the song with it, you know, obviously, now I can't hear the song without picturing the video, and it really enhanced my enjoyment of the song. So I, I hope I hope that, you know, if you guys haven't seen that, that you can see it sometime because it's really cool. So um, have, have you watched that? I don't know. You might have sent it to me. I don't know if I saw it. So is it accessible to anyone, or is this... Or is this what they show behind them when they play live or something? Uh, yeah, it's it's what they show live. There, there's a lot of that. I, okay. I, I didn't buy the physical version. I bought the vinyl, um, and I and I paid for the digital download as well. But I didn't buy the CD. So I I think I think there's like an like a deluxe version of the CD that comes with the music videos with it. I'm pretty sure. Oh. Okay. Um, so uh, yeah. So so what what are your thoughts on View from the Top of the World? Yeah, I mean it. Starts out. I love. I love the orchestration. We've talked ad nauseum. Like when they get these big giant orchestra, orchestration type things, you know, it feels like a soundtrack. Um, I love all this stuff Jordan's doing. Um, uh, you know, a lot of that riffing and drumming and stuff that c- kind of goes on after that before you get to some other stuff is, I guess, can get maybe a little monotonous. Okay. Um, but I, I love like the. I kind of made some notes here, like the eight minute mark. He goes into that that almost that flight of the bumblebee thing on yeah, guitar, right. which he does on uh, is it Name of God? It's something off of uh, Train of Thought. I can't remember which song he, he does that into. But yeah. then I, I absolutely love the. It, and you're right. It, it's it's sort of formulaic because then you get that. But I, I think that that clean, slow, mellow, two and a half minutes of music uh, is just absolutely beautiful. I, I you know it's like that that broken guitar um clean sound it's like okay paging sweet sister mary the mission <laughs> operation minecraft i mean that that paging nice. chris DeGarmo. i mean that has that has you know that has queen's right written all over it which is fine i mean shit if you're gonna you know do something that's sort of similar you might want you know that's a good one to start with but you know the delay yeah. and course on that guitar and is his vocals on there just just so damn good you know, and then again, you get another singular melodic solo from, you know, Petrucci coming after that. And, uh, yeah, I, I just love that little, especially that little segment there. And it that ending, it's gets, like we said before, that ending, I don't know what's going on with that. That's so, yeah. so beyond weird. Yeah, it, it I, I don't know. It, it sort of leaves you with a weird feeling like I just don't know what to I don't know what to think of the song as a whole. You know what I mean? I like a lot of parts of it, but as a whole, you know, does it, does it get a little bit, you know, is it a little bit too long there? But like you said, I think, I think you're spot on. I bet if you're watching it with that video, you know, I'll, I'll put it to, a, there's a band I love called Avatar, which listening mm-hmm. to them on CD or whatever is okay, but you got to see it live. Like, you know what I mean? And I think a song like this, not so much even the band, but like you're saying, just with the video sync to it, because you know it is it is a soundtrack, and I, I totally agree the on the melodies. Like I think this is another one similar to like Invisible Monster, like just the chorus, the melody on the chorus is pretty. There's there's not much there, you know. It it doesn't really do anything that just totally grabs you. Like you 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 really want it to grab you too, because you're like, man, this is a this is a cool concept. It's a you can visualize all of this and there's, there's a lot of epic musical moments, but 
just the, I think just the melody on the, on the chorus is not, you know, it's kind of meh. I, I, th- I think I like it because there actually is like a set chorus. Cause when you think about songs like a change of seasons or Octavarium, there's not that, okay, we're going to go back to the chorus, like a regular song, but maybe, maybe that's why it kind of wears on you a little bit because it does have that kind of setup to it. And, you know, your your ear is expecting something shorter. And that's definitely not what you get. Um, yeah, I, you know, I could see why people think this one takes a little while to get there. Um, you know, to your point about there's not really much melody there in that chorus. I mean, to me, it's it's that the broken part where he's just, you know, like, okay, there, there's certain yeah. adding just a couple notes here and there to kind of make it make your ear kind of perk up a little bit, I think would have made it sound cooler. Um, but it's a minor gripe for sure. And I, you know, it's, it's a cool song, man. It's, you know, I mean, one of my favorite dream theaters ever is, is in this song. Actually, after, after, after that, you know, broken chord part, the mellow part you're talking about that, you know, that riff, they go into. So that's like, I was saying like, you know, when you were talking about a stock riff, that's that's this is the one I was mentioning where it's not really a stock riff, but it's a you know, it's a four on the floor, like, you know, just a straight drum beat and everything. And I, I think it's I love that part. It's it's heavy. It's cool. It's straightforward. Um, I think for me, though, I, I would have liked if there was a few more parts that are kind of like, you know, Octavarium, like Octavarium is so freaking weird that it just keeps your interest all the way through. And I, I think if there were more parts, you know little more proggy like some goofy goofiness here and there i i think it would have you know added some really good flavoring to the mix on this yeah i feel like there's three songs on here where i'm like okay i love what they always end up great you know they always end up getting to a place where i'm totally fine with but but sometimes you know there's a little bit of maybe too much going on in the beginning or i love the beginning of this but then kind of like right after that it's a little bit not all that great much stuff going on until we get to that fly of the bumblebee thing that I love. <laughs> right. And then the cool mellow part stuff. But yeah, I I would be very curious to see if this song is one that they would, I don't want to use the term bother, but it's just something that they would play again after, you know, this tour is done or whatever, which it's, I guess it is done, but well, I mean, what, what do you think? Yes. No. I, I don't think so because, you know, when, when people talk about Dream Theater epics, you're talking about Change of Seasons, you're talking about Octavarium and, and, and Count of Tuscany. And, and Count of Tuscany is like, you know, it, it doesn't quite hit 20 minutes. So, But, right. you know, I mean, people aren't bringing up, you know, a view from the top of the world. Maybe, you know, it's a recency bias. It's new. It doesn't have the, you know, years and years of being in people's ears like the other songs do. Um, you know, Illumination Theory, no one really talks about that one. Um. So yeah, I I don't. Yeah, I don't. I I don't think so because I, I think a, there's. A... I have a question, Daniel Navarro's Arroyo. <laughs> you need you needed Easter eggs like Octavarium. Do you know what that was? Are there actual Easter eggs on that album? Yeah. Can you hear me okay? Because my internet just seemed to like yep, make you sound I got like a you. robot. I got you now. Can you hear me? Yeah. Sorry about that. 
Yeah, I was saying, are there actually Easter eggs on Octavarium? Oh, there's there's all kinds of stuff. Oh, is there? I I'm not aware, so curious like what what kind of stuff is on there well i mean if if i'm if i'm getting him correctly i mean all the different i mean that whole like weird section in the middle is all song titles like lucy in the sky with diamonds day trip uh gabba gabba it's all like you know other band song titles like other epic songs i thought he meant like hidden tracks or something or something no okay no but um yeah sorry for the internet gaff there um but yeah i yeah i mean to, to answer to answer your question i i don't think so um you know yeah i, I don't know that they'd play in the future i don't know maybe two songs off of this i mean i guess alien for sure and what maybe answering the call or awaken the master um Man, that's a good question on Awaken the Master. It's the only eight-string song. I mean, honestly, I could I could see them throwing in Transcending Time because they didn't they didn't do it. You yeah, know, that's so true. I mean, and that that's that's kind of like a very barstool warrior ish, and I I think it's you know because there are certain songs that really grow on the fans that they kind of hear a lot about, and I I think Transcending Time is going to be one of those songs from this record. I mean, de- definitely the alien because I mean that's just a, you know, that's a nutty dream theater kind of. Yeah, know, I, I would I would say those two, um, you know, the rest of them kind of are similar, so it's like which one do you pick? So, you know, I mean, Chad Chad Stevermer, same same thing I was saying. Like I think people don't talk about illumination theory and a view from the top of the world because they haven't had twenty years to live with them yet. Yeah, yeah, I mean. I agree with that, Chad, but I also think that they're not as strong as the as the other songs that we mentioned, especially Illumination Theory. And we'll get into that when we do our deep dive into the self-titled record, which Robert Reams is going to want to punch me in the face for, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> but um, if we should have him on for that one. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, that, that actually might be a good idea. Um, yeah. So uh, Daniel Navarez Arojo, to answer your question about Easter eggs in Octavarium, says the screaming part in Octavarium literally has Portnoy saying root and proceeds to count up to eight in the background. I've never heard that. Oh, look, look at this. Paul Logue. What's up, man? <laughs> Good to see you. <laughs> you know, Paul, that reminds me, I got to email you. We want to we want to do a, a Queensryche episode with you. We want to dig into a Queensryche record. So um, we'll have to get in touch. I'll, I'll shoot you an email, man. You got to come on and, and do something with us. We've already done Mind Crime, but if there's another record that you love, we can we can jump in and do that because I definitely want to do that. Like Promise Lander, like past his bedtime. <laughs> I thought the whole reason, oh, I can't, I have to come on on Saturdays. Like now, now you're staying up until what two in the morning on Thursdays. He's he's drinking pints and watching soccer or football. Excuse me. Right. Besides, yeah. he's right. He's writing the new James record. He's, he's probably getting inspired and putting down some cool riffs for us to hear later. So oh, nice, you know. Um, but yeah, I definitely, I, de- I, I definitely want to get you on, Paul, to do a, another Queensrÿche episode because we love Queensrÿche. So, um, yeah. So overall, man, uh, final thoughts on a view from the top of the world, Brian? What do you got? Um, yeah, you know, kind of. Still kind of digesting it, I think. You know, <laughs> I still, still, you know, I, 
a lot of really high musical points. Uh, I still think as overall song wise, I, I don't not I don't think it's maybe quite as strong as Distance Over Time, but uh, you know, a lot of great performances. I, I really do like, you know, I know you think Mangini's probably maybe a little over the top on some stuff, but he I think he makes this album really just kind of jump right off of the turntable, I guess for lack of a better word. Okay. Just just, just does some killer stuff in it, man. I mean, I, I don't know. I think the first two track like those first two tracks, Alien and Answering the Call, like it, you know, you always joke like, okay, well, we did our best album openers or whatever, but I don't know. Just those two right off the bat just just drill you like right away. It's so it's so good. Yep. And so Paul uh, Paul says he wants to do Empire, by the way, which is fine with me because I love that. <laughs> so let's get that scheduled, man. We got to do a deep dive into Empire with Paul. I'll hit, I'll hit you up, Paul. We're definitely going to make that happen. So, all right. Sorry, Brian. I just wanted to bring that up while he was here. So he's he's only allowed on if there's a new Eden's Curse album being. <laughs> I love that band. That's a band, man. You know, he, you know, he brings up a good point here, real quick. This, this is something I forgot to mention earlier. So Paul Paul says, the finest mixed dream theater have ever had. Give Andy Sneep the keys. Yeah, I, I completely forgot to mention that, Paul. Thank you for jogging my memory. That, can Andy Sneep do any wrong? That guy, when he gets a hold of a, of a mix, like, dude, those, like, like, I think the biggest example for me is the, the Testament records that he's worked on. Holy God, the production on those albums is phenomenal. And it sounds great here too. I mean, is that something that stands out to you? Is the quality of the mix? Because it certainly does for me. Yeah, it's a little. I, 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 maybe I preferred the last album's mix a little bit more. But I, I mean, I can't complain about this one either. Did um, did he do the new Megadeth too? I know he did the last one. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I think the new Megadeth sounds absolutely killer. I, I love. I don't know if you've listened to it, but. Oh yeah, it's. But, uh, I mean, it's very old school. He says, he says, "Imagine him with Maiden." Well, I think Paul, if he was with Maiden, he'd have to get Maiden to write some some better songs. <laughs> like, those last couple of Maiden records for me are just kind of like, Grr. it's you know, a Dream Theater can get away with like ten minute songs. Uh, Iron Maiden for me just really kind of can't. So no, I, uh, I he needs some. They need someone in there to to. If you're going to make ten minute songs, you can't literally do the same riff. 300 times in the song there's yeah. got to be a variation on it but uh yeah i mean i i'm interested to see uh so it sounds like from what we'd heard that there would be a new album coming at some point in 2020 into 2023 i guess is what i saw it's gonna be a while yeah for sure i, I thought that's what they had sort of you know tentatively planned so i don't know if that means it's recorded at the end and we get it 2024 or what but but uh, yeah, yeah, I think I, I think it's 2024. I, I'm just yeah, I'm, I have no idea what they're going to do next. You know, <laughs> I, I feel it's going to be something way out of the box because these two are, are kind of similar um, in feel to me. So I, I bet we're going to get something totally, totally not like this, which is fine with me. As long as it's the same quality, because I, I, I think these records have been excellent. So, um, you know, and I'm a big fan of the of, of you know. The astonishing but i'm sure you know a lot of fans especially with distance over time really kind of saw distance over time as as a return to form as it were and you know tra- uh 
view from the top of the world is a good continuation of that. As I said, I think I think if you make them all one, make those two records one playlist and kind of put it on random, they that they'll mix together pretty well. So, um, look at Kale Kale McLeish. He says, John, the last two Maiden albums have rocked. <laughs> no, no, Kale, they have not. I'm sorry to disagree with you, but they have not. Hey, we we said this before. We're at least Kale's listening to Maiden. He's a young dude and he likes Maiden. So <laughs> right. we we can't we can't knock him for that. There's not that many out there. So right. We gotta give him his props. Well well this was fun, man. Another another good episode. Uh you know, like I said, I, I, I bought a house and uh I know exactly where the internet line is and I'm gonna see if I can get like some fiber line or something to have like perfect internet because I'm sick of this crap, you know, you know, dropping out on me and but whatever you know it's all rock and roll right congrats now you're not we're not going to be the next show it's probably still going to be a while right before you move in or when are you moving yeah it's it's going to be well it all depends like not to bore everybody but it's based we might actually have like a month month and a half to move in so we're kind of we're, we're we're moving only 10 minutes away so we're going to kind of take stuff here and there so we don't have to do it all in one fell swoop we're hiring a moving company to uh do the big stuff at the end and uh you know yeah so but yeah i definitely want a better internet connection so the wife doesn't know that yet but since i'm i'm paying two hundred and ten thousand dollars for a house i am also upgrading uh the internet <laughs> specifically for podcasting <laughs> so there you go well um, feel free not to ask me for to help you move because no we're actually coming up with an excuse already <laughs> Yeah, last thing about the move, we're actually getting all the people that helped us move into the place we're in now five years ago, and they're going to come up, and we're just going to buy a whole bunch of booze and pizza, and we're all going to get drunk and eat pizza while somebody else does it because it was hell getting in here. So, <laughs> um, But, yeah, man, awesome awesome episode, man. This was a blast. It was it was really cool going back and, and you know getting back into this album. Um, we got some fun stuff coming up. Obviously, we mentioned that uh, two weeks we're actually going to the John Petrucci show here in Cleveland, so our next episode is going to be on Thursday, November 17th, and it will be at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're going to be talking about the John Petrucci, uh, the John Petrucci solo show that we'll be seeing at the Cleveland House of Blues. The show after that, you have to pick a topic because it's actually going to be on a Wednesday because your birthday is that Thursday. and uh, Or no, it's, it's that Wednesday, I should say. And we're going to be seeing Jeff Tate on December 1st. Yeah, so we'll we're going to be there on Thursday the 1st. Yeah, I got to come up with something. So I'm going to, I don't know. I'll, I'll have to give you an advance warning because it, it might require you listening to something. That's fine. <laughs> That's totally fine. Uh, we're doing that. On on uh, December 15th, we are actually doing a deep dive into a record that I, I hope is not considered blasphemy on a Dream Theater show, but it's one that you and I absolutely love. It's a band that we road tripped to Battle Creek, Michigan to see. We're going to be diving into uh, Sons of Apollo's debut album, Psy- uh, Psychotic Symphony. So that's going to be cool. Um, are we trying and, to get a special surprise for that, or we don't know yet? Uh, we don't know yet. On that? I, I am working on that. Okay. So, uh, And then, of course, we do have on Friday, December 30th, it is our annual fan hangout show. 
So that one is just open forum. Uh, any of you guys who want to come on and co-host the show with us, you're more than welcome to. Uh, Chastity Crawley is going to be on. So she has already sent us a message. We got another dude. Um, I got to go in my emails to get his name, but we got a couple guests coming on. And Chastity, you wanted the details of it. All you have to do, we just send you an internet link, and then you click the link, and then we let you in the show. It's really that simple. So, um, so yeah, the Fan Hangout's a blast, guys. If you want to co-host with Brian and I and jump on camera, just shoot us an email at talkingintoinfinity@gmail.com, and we'll hook you guys up. Uh, I will be drinking Gorilla Farts because I think that's like a kind of like a must since I did it last time. <laughs> so, um, so that'll be cool. And uh, obviously, as we just saw, we're going to be having Paul Logan sometime in the near future to do a deep dive into Queensryche's phenomenal Empire album. So uh, that was very fortuitous that Paul jumped jumped on here because I was I've been meaning to email him about that to see if he had a record he wanted to do, and and now we know. So uh, yeah, lots of cool stuff coming up, man. So uh, I will see you in a couple weeks in person at the Cleveland House of Blues, and we will watch John Petrucci, Dave Larue. And Mike Portnoy. So uh, looking forward yeah. to that, man. That's going to be a good time. So thanks a lot, guys, for tuning into the show. Appreciate you guys. Chad Stevermer, Kale McLeish, Chastity Crawley, Daniel Navarro Zorojo, our very good friend, Mr. Paul Logue, Robert Reams, JG3. Great to see all you guys, man. Hopefully we'll see you again in the future. Uh, remember, if you're watching on YouTube, smash that subscribe button so that you're noticed or, uh, uh, notified. Every time we go live, click the like button, click the subscribe button, all that fun social media crap. You know what to do. So uh, until next time, I am your host, John. He is my very, very, very good friend, Brian. And guys, we'll see you next time. And Carpe Diem. <laughs>